what we do here is go back, 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 back. Well, from my expert opinion, that is purely based off of uh, Adam Sandler's animated movie, Eight Crazy Nights, and the episode of Rugrats, where they are exploring their grandfather's attic and they start telling him the story, I think, of Hanukkah, <laughs> is that I don't know how Hanukkah works. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Annie McDonald. We're going into this Week 16 matchup against the Dolphins, heading into Christmas. How you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling the Christmas spirit. <clears throat> you know, um, the Raiders are still alive, according to a couple things that you mentioned beforehand. But I, um, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling just optimistic and positive just where life is where the nfl is where we are i just want to be able to talk about talk about the game talk about the raiders talk about the nfl and and just you know be merry and be happy that's where i'm at how are you good trying to stay in those same jolly christmas vibes we had a rough last pod to say the least sure the listeners could tell we were down and and we were we were opening old wounds, you know, that we felt like we had got past a little bit. Game was on Thursday, recorded Monday night. Good amount of time to open up wounds again is never great. But here we are getting back at it. Give the people the content. Get after the Dolphins preview. Get some Christmas joy in there. Get some questions in from the listeners. You'll do the rundown and everything, but we got a good one for you guys. Yeah, I think so. Um, to start it off, I'm just going to say, you know, we, we try to stick to the NFL as much as possible, but, you know, we're Kings fans. We're diehard Kings fans, you know, and it was game one tonight against the Nuggets. And I believe 30 minutes ago, the Kings won. Wow. I don't want to know. Buddy wow. Field in overtime, tipped it in game over 124 to 122 against the Nuggets. Um, Kings are going to win the um, NBA finals. Holy NBA crap. championship, Zach Town. So, be ready for that. As everyone knows, I am dialed on my predictions. I'm dialed on my locks. This is one of them. Kings, let's go. But yes, as you mentioned, we have we wanted to we wanted to treat the treat the fans, treat the readers, as we say. Um, so we're going to give you our mortal locks, and we're going to do a little bit different. So as it is with the Christmas spirit, um, it is the season of giving with the NFL. So we have one game on Friday. Um, three games on Saturday and the rest of the slate is on Sunday and one on Monday night. So we will give you a mortal lock for Saturday. Um, we'll give you a mortal lock for Sunday just to wet the beak a little bit. Right. Um, we'll get into our preview like we do. Micah has the Raiders offense against the Dolphins D. I have the Raiders D against Dolphins O. And then we will get into a jam packed listener question, five submissions from the viewers, listeners, readers, because, you know, they, they understand where we're at with the Raiders season, but they also know that they, they got to step up and they have stepped up and I'm excited for it. So I'm going to kick it to you. What is your Saturday mortal lock of the week? So with these Saturday games, we got three of them. All right. We got a 10 a.m. game, a 1.30 game, I believe. And then as everyone knows, the Raiders play at 5.15. Game I went with for mine right off the bat. We got the Buccaneers against the Lions. And I'm taking the Lions at a plus nine and a half. And here's why. Basic, basic statistics. I'm going to give you some numbers, right? Simple numbers, too. Not any, like, excessive analytics or anything. All right. We got 25, 34, 24, 25. Those are the points the Lions have scored over the last four weeks. Then we got 27, 24, 26, 31. That's the points the Bucks have scored over the last four weeks. Every single one of those games, the Lions cover. They've, they would have covered the last four weeks straight. They're about to cover in a fifth straight, too. No other reason but Christmas joy, Christmas juju coming my way on this one. Lions are going to pick this one up. They've been scoring a lot of points lately, almost as much as the Bucks have been scoring. And in order to win football games in the NFL, you got to score more than the other team scores in order to cover on the weekly spreads. 
you got to score pretty close to as much as the other team does, if not more. That's all I have. That's really, it's a ridiculous strategy to take and thing to hope for, but I'm locking it in. Yeah, lock that in, man. You know, I think it's a good strategy. They do have to score more than the other team. That is a fact. Um, never been debated before. And, you know, the the Lions have been playing a lot better since um, Matt Patricia has been relieved of his duties. Um, so you got a team that's has a big spread against them and, and the Buccaneers that have been a little up and down throughout the year. So I like the pick. No surprise you're chasing points. All good. No, I'm not attacking you. You're a great mortal locker, uh, but it makes sense. So, yeah, there are three games on Saturday. We're going to preview one of them because that's the Raiders-Dolphins, but I will not be talking about that game because I don't want to. Um, we'll talk more about it later. So I'll take the other one, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. They have the 49ers at home. Um, they are five-point favorites. The Niners are actually playing in Arizona, um, so they're technically on the road and at home at the same time. Um, but I'm going to go Cardinals minus five, and here's why. Um, I hate the Niners, number one. Number two, the last two weeks, the Cardinals have taken care of business. Two weeks ago, one and a half point favorites against the Giants took care of business. Last week, sorry, plus six against the Eagles took care of business against you. I'm riding with the Cardinals. I'm big Cardinals guy right now. My boy CD, shout out. He's going to be in the listener questions later, but I feel good about those guys. feel good about this pick. Minus five at home and on the road. Sorry about that. Love it. The Niners are starting CJ Beathard. Okay. CJ Beathard, not swaggy, by the way. CJ Beathard. Okay. I'm just going to let you know he's not the guy. Okay. You have a Cardinals team that is, has playoff inspirations. Okay. They have some things they're trying to get done. Niners are down and out. Really would rather have a better draft pick at this point. So, Cardinals minus five on Saturday. Lock that thing in. Man, I hope I'm not Gucci cursing these guys, but. I'm pulling for him. So that's where I'm at. That's a very, very bold pick. And I'm going to tell you the reason that that is a very bold pick is because I don't know if you thought about the fact that this is a potential Josh Rosen revenge game because the 49ers just signed him to the active roster to be the backup quarterback, I believe, in case something were to happen. Sure. I'm good with that. You're good with that? Okay. Oh, yeah. As long because... as as long as that's like within the knowledge of making your decision because a revenge game, let alone a, a you know, that was the one of the wonkiest situations ever, you know. So a revenge, that's like ultimate revenge if given the chance. Here's where I would be worried about that. The first reason I would be worried is if Rosen was actually starting, which he's not. Okay, he just got signed to their active roster. Nick Mullins is hurt. The second reason I would be worried is if Josh Rosen knew anything about football hmm. and any reason to come in and give the Niners an advantage against the Cardinals. Because when Cliff Kingsbury came over, they drafted Kyler Murray. So the offense changed completely. He has no insider trading information outside of the fact that Steve Kime sometimes drinks and drives. That's all he knows. Okay. So I'm going to start there and say, I, I do respect your play there. I'm not worried though. I would hammer. I would. I would even hammer six and a half. Okay, but we're not getting there. We got minus five Cardinals at home and also on the road. So I think it's fair that you're saying that. But I feel good. We're good. I'm glad as as long as all the information is on the table. Perfect. Know, we're we're good. I, I I love how confident you are riding with AZ. So I have nothing to lose at this point. It's been 15 weeks of up and down, beat down. I've, I've used alternative reasons to bet my mortal locks. I've used my child. I've used people at Safeway. I've used just the listeners to help me out. And, and at this point, I have to be a part of my own rescue. I'm hammering Cardinals minus five. Lock it in. Let's roll. What do you have for Sunday? An extra special season of giving. Mortal lock for the fans, the listeners, the readers. What do you have for the Sunday slate coming up? So as you alluded to earlier uh, when we first started the pod is that we were talking that the Raiders did have still technically had hopes for the playoffs. The way that they have hope for the playoffs is if the Dolphins lose out and the Ravens lose out. And the way that I can and do my part in my in the best interest of the team and of Raider Nation is by trying to use whatever powers I may have within the game of mortal locks 
to try to aid that. And that's why I'm going with the New York Giants at plus 11 against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I will admit that after last week, things were grim on like us being Giants fans. We talked about it. Big time Giants fans going through the Raiders didn't really hold up their end of the bargain. But Danny Dimes taking first round reps all week. He's out there practicing. So I feel confident with it now. We are talking about just covering the spread, and we but we need them to win as Raider fans. But the first way you do that is by getting close enough within the spread to win the game, and then you go win the game. So we're kind of willing the spread to happen so that maybe a win will happen ex facto by just willing it to happen. Love that. I'm into that. I think it takes – it's a team effort, right? I, I, I tried my hand last week against the Browns. It takes a village takes a village and you know, the Browns ended up taking care of business. I think we need your superior power to come in and speak this into existence. And I'm very excited about that. So hammer that plus 11 giants at the Ravens. Let's roll. I'm going to go with something that I don't feel great about, but I know because I don't feel great about, I have to go with, and that is the Steelers at home. They're plus one and a half dogs at home. And this is a Steelers team that is, they ripped off 11 in a row, three straight losses, and now they have the Colts coming into town, okay? And Colts have been fine. You know, they took care of business against the Raiders, all good. Um, They have playoff aspirations, not inspirations, as I mentioned earlier. I'm going to catch myself there for a second. And, And they're a team that is trying to keep up with the Titans and have a lot to play for. But for the Steelers to be dogs, and then check it out. Steelers have been vanilla on offense. Okay. Some would call it a par three offense where you're just trying to hit the iron down, down the road, you know, basically three or four yards at a time. It's kind of where the Steelers are dealing. And, and that's not the Steelers that we know. So I would expect a different Steelers team, a revitalized Steelers offense and a really motivated Steelers defense to come in, take care of business. I mean, they really just need to win. It's a pick them plus one and a half. You can lose by one, but that rarely happens. So, Let's just call it a, a pick them. And I'm picking the Steelers to win plus one and a half on Sunday. They have the Browns knocking at the door, waiting for the door to be open because they're trying to take the AFC North crown. Not going to happen. Steelers are going to cover and beat the Colts. And I'm rocking that. So thoughts, comments, concerns there. Uh, I, I like the pick. It's a good pick because so many people are probably going to be riding on the Colts. Colts have been hot. They're great. They're one of those teams, great defense. Their their offense clicks and is playing well. And they're, you know, by all means, been very B. Bauer-esque in the Mr. Consistency side of things of being just like, you know, stick to their game and they're they're riding high. And the Steelers are have been high and then they've hit lows the last three weeks, right? And so a lot of people probably going for those Colts. This is exactly when the Steelers jump back on it, cover, get back into the swing of things. Get that W. Juju's not dancing on any logos anymore. Nope. Not no more. So I like it. Thank you. I appreciate the support there. Well, let's let's move into it. So those are your four model lock mortal locks. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Lock it in. Make some money over Christmas time. Here we go. Well, also, I just want to want to say I maybe one of the listeners can do the numbers for us on this, but I'm kind of wondering what a uh like a four game swing would do for you in this situation because mm. if i go oh and two you go two and oh does that count as a four game swing that counts right yeah is i mean four four total games for sure two in the standings i i'm not just saying this modestly it's more realistically i think it would get me relatively close but not in striking distance. Not enough. I, right. I don't know if i would be in the hunt after this that's fine um i've just been i know i've been careless lately i've been i've been slinging at slinging at a whim so i just i figured i'd just throw that we put that out there just in case we had any hard facts hard numbers we could look at just to really see what things you know my mortal locks have been more of like a raiders carry collins season where (laughs) high aspirations going in and then we started off one and seven my mortal locks did not but i just stopped counting um so i would would be interested to see kind of where we're at now so thank you for bringing that up we'll see how the week shapes up We'll take it from there. Yeah. So, All right. Let's get into the preview. Um, so <clears throat> the Raiders have the Dolphins 
at home Saturday night going into it, I was like, this game got flexed. This is going to be a big one. And we don't have to talk about it. The Raiders dropped the ball Thursday night. Um, this game is of less importance um, as we once thought, but you know, here we are. So dolphins come into town. You have the Raiders offense against their defense. Give us some facts, give us some knowledge, give us some matchups. How are we looking? We got a quite the matchup ahead of us this game. Uh, not only are the dolphins not who we thought they were going into this year. Um, they've been, they've been riding hard. They, they have had, one of the more efficient defenses in the league this year. They've got kind of a middle-of-the-road defense in general when it comes to passing yards, rushing yards a game, all that stuff. But they are first in the league in points allowed a game. And that's really the most important stat when you're talking about a defense is how many points you're giving up. To go along with that, they're one of the best red zone defenses in the league, which, spoiler alert to anybody that hasn't been following along with the Raiders all 15 weeks we've had so far they're not doing great in the red zone they are one of the worst teams in the red zone don't quote me on that that's just an eyeball test but i'm pretty sure they're they're right in that bottom half so it's going to be interesting it's going to be a tough game for our offense to kind of get things going we just got to get it rolling against their defense we got to get things we got to get in our rhythm get in our grooves kind of set the pace early to kind of keep a consistent flow and and not let them really jump ahead of us we have there's two places where i think we can try to focus on to exploit them uh one is free agent cornerback byron jones came over from the cowboys not having the hottest year this year one of the reasons being is that xavier howard across from him has been balling out this year he's got like nine interceptions He's gotten targeted the most out of any of the corners on their teams, but he's been kind of making plays when they have it. So Jones on the opposite end of that, getting targeted a lot. He's got a 58 completion percentage against him, 16.3 yards of completion and quarterbacks have a 99.4 QBR thrown in his way. So he's been giving up a lot, very efficient going towards him, kind of staying away from the other, the other side of things. And then linebacker Kyle Van Noy came over, another free agent, came over from the Patriots last year. He's got 85.7% completion against him, 10 yards of completion, and a 101.6 QBR against him as well. They're asking him to do a lot more coverage this year than he did last year with the Patriots, and he's kind of getting exposed a little bit. So I'm hoping that get the running backs involved, obviously get Waller involved, make the make Van Noy and the linebackers themselves, try to cover those guys and just, you know, figure out ways, maybe get Waller. We've seen Waller get split out as a receiver, maybe get him on Byron Jones' side, create some mismatches. They're just going to have to try to figure out ways to like be more efficient in the red zone, which is a very vague term. And like, yeah, that, you know, no duh, but we've been very shitty in the red zone. They're very good in the red zone. It's going to be a tough matchup there, but if we can attack Byron Jones, attack Kyle Van Noy, I think we've got a shot at chipping away at this defense and trying to just make plays and, and, take advantage of certain situations that we can find ourselves in. I love it. Yeah. I think there's definitely reason to be optimistic on the offense side of the ball. I think we, we are able to um, counter some of the things that they do attack us. And I think we have matchups, like you mentioned that we can, we can exploit. So it'll be a good friendly environment that we have on that side of the ball. So I'll touch on the defense, um, you know, as it relates to this game, Dolphins offense is um, they're kind of just, you know, they're, they're a gritty team in general. Um, they kind of just grind, grind out games and have been, you know, in favorable situations where they've taken advantage and, and hats off to them. You know, I think Brian Flores has done a great job with the team overall. You know, as you look at it from the offensive side of the ball, they have, as everyone knows, Tua is now the starter. Um, he replaced Fitzmagic early on in the year and he's been fine. And he was highly touted coming out of Alabama you know, top five pick, everyone knows it, but I've, I've been a little bit lower on Tua um, just as it relates to QB prospects and, and, and the guys that were coming out of the draft last year, um, just from an overall ceiling perspective. And he's done what it takes to win. And that's what he did at Alabama. And that's what he's doing right now. So um, I would say that he's someone that we have to keep account for. Um, he's able to, you know, work off you know, play action pretty well. He's work. you know, he's, he's a timing he's, he's, and I say that a lot, but timing, touch anticipation kind of guy, right. He's a rhythm guy. And I think it's one of those things where 
he can be dynamic when he breaks the pocket. He's not someone that's going to gash you for 12 to 15 yards like Herbert can or Kyler Murray can, someone like that. But he can escape the pocket and create and make plays down the field. But I do think that he's he's limited as a, as it pertains to taking shots down the field. So I think, you know, when we have a struggling defense or secondary, at least currently being banged up, hoping to have our net back, hoping to have Jonathan Abram back, you know, we, we will be in a spot where we can just say, Hey, we're going to man up on you guys. Or we're going to kind of create some pressure. And, and they do a lot of shotgun, a lot of RPOs, a lot of things that the chargers did against us. If you watch the Monday night game, Ryan Finley, relatively limited, not saying they're the same player, but they did a lot of RPO stuff or not RPO, but it was, it was really more read option. Whereas like, Hey, commit, commit, commit pulls out and he gets eight yards and extends drive. So he's going to do some of those things against us. Um, you know, from the running back side of it, they are getting miles Gaskin back. Um, Salvin Ahmad has, has kind of came on and been, been able to supplant Gaskin as he's out. They do have Breda coming back and he's shaping into form. You know, he was on the Niners last year in a rotational role, but more so um, he was he kind of came in to be the guy and he hasn't been the guy, but I think they have a good mix of those three folks that can kind of jump in and, and attack us and, and have fresh legs. They don't have a number one, really a true number one. If anyone, it would be Miles Gaskin. But from the receiving court, you know, you have Devontae Parker, who was is questionable coming into this game. Mike Gusecki, questionable as well. Um, but Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, um, they've been good um, for the Dolphins. But really, it's like you have the Raiders defense and they're, you know, they have 10 days to to kind of, or not, I guess nine days because Thursday to Saturday, not Sunday, but um, to kind of shape into form for what Rod Marinelli is really looking for. And I, I do think that we should be able to take advantage of some matchups here. And I feel good about being able to put some pressure on Tua, but it, it's like aggressively conservative, if that makes sense, right? Like being able to put some pressure on them, but not just sell out to go get them, right? Um, and I think we can put some pressure on him, but make him make decisions he doesn't want to that's off of his first or second read. And I think we can take advantage of some things there. But Devontae Parker's a stud. Um, I would imagine if he's healthy, you have Trayvon Mullen shadowing him across, you know, across the formations, across the game the whole time. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we have a, a chance for the the defense to come back and, and, you know, get a little bit more sound, have a little bit more time with Rod Marinelli and his system and what he wants and what he's asking for our guys, maybe simplify some things and, Hey, let's just, let's play hard. Let's rally to the ball. Let's not quit. And let's not make it too complex. As we've heard, Paul Gunther may have made it on the Raiders um, and the personnel really didn't combat that. So I think we have a, a good opportunity to um, at least save some face on the defensive side. And, and I think they have a chance to keep us in the game where we don't know if DC is going to play. We don't know how our offense is going to show, you know, and, and we do have advantages on the ball on that side of the ball, like you mentioned, but overall, man, I think this is a chance where if we can really truly sink into, to who we are, I don't think we have too many weapons that are going to scare us. You know, I think it's a, nine and five team that sorry, I'm not just being pessimistic here, but they shouldn't be nine and five. This is not a team that is borderline playoffs. Like, yes, they played well enough, but they've won some ugly games and they've fought some ugly games. And we happen to be the wrong side of, of those games. And that's why we're seven and seven. They're nine and five. So overall, I think the defense needs to show out. Um, not too scared of Tua. I think he's great. Like, I think he does a lot of things. Well, I just don't think his ceiling is something that would, scare me more than someone like a Herbert um, or a Burrow that came out last year. So really that's where we're at. I think one thing to mention is this is, as you know, you recalled in my mortal locks, um, a revenge game for Lynn Bowden, who, who we traded, we drafted him and traded him um, before he could even see the field. He has now found a role mostly because of injuries, just going to say it that way, but um, he's found a role. And, and I think that if anything, you know, when you talk about Twitter, when you talk about social media, this is something where if he has a couple big plays um, in a versatile role, they, they ran a double reverse pass with him that he ran for 12 yards against the Patriots. And it's like, Oh my gosh, wow. Now Henry Ruggs is a bust. It's like, okay, let's just relax for a second. But- well, yeah. And, and also to the, the whole, like, Gruden would rather give Theo Riddick these touches than, you know, seeing is seeing Lynn Bowden play wildcat quarterback. It's, like, you know, yeah. that th- those type of takes are going to be, oh man, if you, if Christmas wasn't enough, mayhem Saturday Raiders, Twitter, Lynn, Lynn Bowden doing some wildcat 
double reverse passes. It's going to be wilder. It's just so bad because, dude, like, you know this, right? Like, this is six months removed. This was, we drafted a guy. He wasn't who we thought we he was. Assessing our offense, assessing the role that he's going to play. We didn't think he was going to fit, and it was going to take him a long time to see the field. Did we sell early, like, too early? Sure, we can call it that. But are we seriously going to now have this, like, hindsight vision of, oh, you know, see what he's doing now and based off the fact that Jalen Rashard is banged up and Devonte Booker's banged up and, Oh, you have Theo Riddick and whatever. It's like, dude, it's so bad because it's not the case. And that's not why they made the decision six months ago. That doesn't matter though. <laughs> yeah. I know it doesn't matter. I'm just yeah. saying it's so frustrating because it's, it's just yeah. so inaccurate. The con the context when yeah. you, when you and, look and at I'm it, a tweeter like- now, you know what I'm saying? I have one tweet. And so it's, it's basically like me pulling a tweet from you, from 2017 and be like, dude, you were so wrong about Josh Allen. It's like, no, I was right then. And I'm wrong now. And I'm fine with that. You know, yeah, it's like exactly. so inaccurate, but I digress. Um, anything to say on that side? Um, if not, we can, we can jump into our predictions. Uh, I just, I'll just kind of wrap it up with uh, two things. One, I think it came out today, earlier today, maybe yesterday, Klukowski's on the COVID list. So we will be without him, unfortunately. Uh, he was placed on the list too. And secondly, on the Tua side of things, I think one of the, I guess one thing that I haven't watched how he's been playing this year. So forgive me if this is off par at all, but I know that like coming out of college and stuff like that, one of the big things about him was that he was accurate at all levels of the field and could throw to all levels of the field. And that's one thing that worries me is because there's just always holes all over our defense in the passing game. There's holes everywhere, whether it's, you know, the linebackers not being deep enough or a cornerback being too deep or something. There's just pockets and holes all over our defense all the time. So that's the only thing I necessarily worry with Tua. I think you're right. He's not, you don't worry about him being the most more mobile person, but he can't do that. But I think if Marinelli can keep it simple, but also try to, you know, make it a little complex for him to try to make decisions, like you said you know, we might have some success there. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. I, I guess where I'm coming is that like, he's going to make the plays that are there. Right. So yeah. think of Jared Goff is, you know, like our guy, Connor Rogers said, like Jared Goff is outstanding when it comes to everything's scripted up and everything's right there. And they're not saying to it is open. Right. And, and it's, and then like, when you talk about a Raiders defense, like it's usually going to be there. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I'm saying is that he might be able to, get off his first or second read and make a completion or get flushed out of the pocket and make a completion. But it's not the Mahomes or the Herbert or the Josh Allen or the Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying they're all in the same category, but creating something else and then gashing you. Right. And that's where we have fell victim to where it's like, you know, the bend don't break works with that where it's like, Oh, we bend, but we don't break. And it was third and nine. We take an eight yard completion. It's like, yeah, Tua will get you there, and he's he is mobile, but he's going to hit something more safe and not take a shot because he doesn't trust it, and he shouldn't trust the true arm talent of, of what he has. Yeah. And that's kind of that's that's it. I guess that's, that's yeah, kind of where, yeah, yeah. where I was going. But great point, and I and I totally get it. And I, I'm I would never support the Raiders' defense in general, nor would I do that <laughs> currently. So yeah, all all fair points, but I think we have a, we might have an opportunity to exploit some areas and. Those are just a few. So prediction time. Okay. We have the Miami Dolphins on the road at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. And they're three-point favorites on Saturday, day after Christmas. What is your prediction, Micah? Well, Raiders got to win out. They got to win out. They're going to have any playoffs. And I, I said it last week. They don't deserve to be in the playoffs with the way that game ended. And that might have been harsh of me to say, but I do believe it. There's an extra playoff spot this year, and they still find ways not to make the playoffs. But nonetheless, I do believe that we will go in here and win this game. Probably going to be a little closer than I'd like it to be. But my prediction is going to be Raiders 24, Dolphins 21. Great. Love that. I was on mute. Sorry. Great pick. I agree with you because like wholeheartedly, even where we're at, even where the Raiders are at, I agree with you. Just something is, is telling me that this is not right. Um, something's telling me that this is, we could 
get into the X's and O's. We can get into the matchups like we have. And I feel, I would feel convicted of why we should beat this team. And I, and honestly seeing this team on our schedule, as we mapped out the back end of our schedule, I'm like, this is a game where I feel like currently, and even when it gets to the point where we have an advantage, but I'm going to go contrarian and I'm going to go the dolphins win 28, 24, they cover the spread. They beat the Raiders. I don't know what's happening with DC. Um, I hope he plays. I also kind of am scared if he plays and it makes it more significant when the chances are low that we make the playoffs and he's playing for nothing, but I do respect his, his commitment, his, his toughness in that sense, but I'm going to go dolphins 28, 24, just so that we could, I I was going to go 27, 24, but I felt like, you know, I don't, I don't want to push there. So I'm going to go dolphins 28, 24 for a couple of different reasons. And I'm good with it. And I, and, and I would rather bet that and, and be wrong than convince myself that this is a Raiders team that, that hasn't been the same team in the last four weeks compared to the four weeks before. Well, that's completely understandable. We all can't drink the punch. We all can't drink the punch. But I, I feel like I'm drinking it with you. But if anyone's going to go opposite and be wrong, I would rather be that guy. And I really, I'm truly, truly hoping I'm that guy. So, all right. Well, that's a good you know, preview of that game. Excited for that Saturday night. Um, let's jump into some listener questions. First question, once again, we have a jam-packed um, section of this. First one's coming out hot. And this is from at Gator. And she's made her appearances here and there, um, mostly around Smoke Monday and his name. That's okay. Um, she decided to diversify her portfolio a hair. And she wants to know, she said, hey, RTP, loyal listener, huge fan. What was more embarrassing on Thursday night? And when I read this, I was like, okay, not super happy about this. <laughs> Ends up being a good question. She said, what was more embarrassing on Thursday night? AJ Cole's 19-yard punt or Michael Bagley missing two kicks? So good questions. Very shocked she even knew those names or knew the outcomes, but thought it was something that you could address. What was more embarrassing, AJ Cole's 19-yard punt or Michael Bagley missing two kicks? Micah, you have the floor. I mean, to me, it's kind of it's kind of a no-brainer, uh, in, in my opinion. And it's not because I'm being a homer with the Raiders, but missing two field goals that were both potential game-winning field goals and also one of them you missed because you got iced by your own head coach. That's way more embarrassing. Like you're a professional punter. You should be able to punt it farther than 19 yards, but sometimes you shank one here and there, you know, on the embarrassing level of things, way more embarrassing that it essentially almost led to them losing the game. I'm going to go Michael Badgley missing the two fields. I was thinking Marvin Bagley. Oh yes. I'm just so hyped on Kings right now. Um, no, and I, I agree. It's hard to not touch on that. Um, it's hard to not side with that. You know, he missed two field goals when it was 24-24, and they had the game to rights in a sense. But um, I guess if I was going to play the opposite, it was 10-10 to for the Raiders, and we had a three and out deep in our territory, 19-yard punt, chargers go down, score 17-10 before half, big momentum shifter. Don't, you know side of the the hill in a sense and, and be like, oh, it was way worse. I think Bagley's was way worse, but more embarrassing for sure. Bagley, Badgley, keep calling him Bagley, but AJ Cole in his own right, not cool, dude. He's been good for us, but I respect it. Good question. Yes. Very good question. More so side with you on that. But second question, Mr. Consistency, B Bauer, Ooh, back at it again. Okay. He says, Hey, RTP, Love you guys. That was kind for him to say that. Kind words from a kind man. He said, who was your, who was the scapegoat? Who's the scapegoat for the 2020 season? Want to get your thoughts. Micah, as always, lead us off. Well, uh, I think that, I think realistically, the scapegoat for this year, whether you agree with it or not, is going to be Paul Gunther. Uh, And because... Ask me this question prior to him getting fired. I would say that it's the defense in general. But now that he has been fired, it's Paul Gunther himself. Uh, I think you look at 
all the year the offense was balling the offense was balling and essentially like the games that we won for the most part it was the offense winning just in in despite of the defense and the way they were playing and then the things to come out you hear i'm busting with the boys will compton no free shout outs talking about his time with the raiders and just the things that Gunther kind of did. He was vague about it, but he kind of beat around the bush. Didn't beat around the bush, but he was kind of in as specific terms as he could. Things he was doing was not putting his players in the best position to go out there and succeed, essentially. And so it starts with the coaching. And when you've got guys out there that are confused and that they are worried about things they shouldn't be worried about, a lot of things going on. The defense is just in a shitty situation. So I think that as much as there's a lot of different things you can nitpick about the offense, their red zone, any issues cars had places where he struggled, where the offense has struggled, not getting rugs involved, all this stuff. I think the scapegoat for the year is going to be Paul Gunther um, and our, our defense in general, but more specifically because he got fired PG. Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's a good call, you know, just to offer another side of it. I think you could blame a lot of, not a blame, but the scapegoat is like, hey, what can we just fall on the sword a little bit and just say, hey, this is the main reason things didn't work out. You know, we had the last two classes being plagued with injury um, and being plagued with um, whether it's COVID things or injury concerns that got them on, the, you know, the, the report that the, they weren't able to play that game or that week, et cetera. So um, I don't, I think that's uncontrollable. Injuries happen. Um, this COVID situation where it's contact tracing, where it's something where they're connected to someone who had it. So they have to be on the list. So you can't control that. If you want to talk about things you can control, um, I would say the offense and I would, and this is not like, I think John Gruden's our guy. And I think Gruden is someone that's going to take us to the next level and has, but if you actually look back at the games um, and talk about the things that we have said you can throw the stats and the points and everything like that at me. And that's fine. Right. But once again, I'm trying to provide another perspective. The offense has not came through when we needed them to. Um, we have not executed in the red zone. We have not been able to put games away when we had to, even in our wins and mostly in our losses. But I just think that that comes down to not being able to um, sometimes simplify things and sometimes be able to go with what's working and, and just ride the guys that we know. And I, and I think that falls on Gruden and I'm not calling him out. I'm not calling for his, for his job or, or anything like that, but I think it's something that we should consider. And it's not, I don't think it's Derek Carr issue. I think some of the plays that lead to us not executing, he kind of exits out of and throws away, which you can see from other teams that are successful, they extend them, um, but it doesn't mean he's not the guy. So um, I'm just saying, I, th I think our offense has put up, good stats, good numbers, but ultimately has not been able to execute when we need them the most. Um, and really, I think you have seen over the last five to 10 years, a lot of good teams that have been more offensive heavy um, and just bend, don't break on the defense. And I think there have been times we put the defense where we rely on them to get stops. And that's not the point of a bend, don't break. It's like, hey, we got you and, and we haven't been able to execute. So that's where I would say, just because if you pick something else outside of our defense, I would have gone with our defense, but I think it's fair um, because I think our personnel on the offensive side is far superior than, than currently what we have on the defense. So that's my scapegoat. 2020 is, is our offense and probably won't be popular, um, but that's okay. So good to move on. Next question. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I like that answer. And it, it's funny that we're like the defense. Know the offense. It's like if we had a third co-host, they could zero in on the special teams, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But but I do think it's it's because like I think we've drafted the right people and we and we have identified the right people in free agency. And I think we have mm, yeah. been able to make those adjustments and, and a lot of those things that haven't panned out from those acquisitions have been based on the fact um they haven't been healthy or they've been COVID related. So you can't put a something on that because that's uncontrollable and it's a different situation than it has been in years. So cool. Um, next question. And this is a new one, a listener that I knew was listening. Um, but someone that is it's his first listener question and someone that you've kind of got after a little bit, um, because he reps the Cardinals. 
Yeah, I've heard it's in his in his bad zone lately. He's a big Cardinals guy. He's a big Boise State guy. And he wants to know, hey, RTP, long-time listener, you know, first listener question. Thank you for taking this. But I want to know, is Santa real? That's what this guy says. And his Twitter is at CD. Um, and he wants to know, is Santa Claus real? So, Micah, where are we at? Uh, I mean, if he's if he's not real, that's news to me. I mean, yeah, football happened this year. Santa Claus has to be real, right? I mean, the Cardinals are fighting for a playoff spot. Santa's got to be real. He's bringing presents, bringing presents to everyone this year. So, like I said, I don't know why he's got reason to think otherwise, but it would be heartbreaking news to me if you said that he was not real. So, yes, Santa is real at CD. Those weren't shots taken, but. Shots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, call it what you want, but I, th- there were some shots there, and, and, and that's fine. You know, you're still going after his Cardinals, but I, I would agree with you, though. I, I do believe Santa Claus is real. That would be news to me as, as well. He is real. How many movies are, are made about Santa, right? Is Harry Potter real? Absolutely. The dude's got a 17-movie series going out, you know, currently. So, Lord of the Rings. Tim Allen only does biographies. Right. He has to be real. Tim Allen does Santa Claus about himself because he is Santa Claus. So, mm-hmm. um, no, he's absolutely real. I don't know why it would be um, turned otherwise. He's absolutely the goat of Christmas time and Christmas spirit. And I will tell you, um, we got into quite the debate with Connor Rogers. I, okay, not we. I got <laughs> yeah, into quite the debate. <laughs> my, my apologies. <laughs> I got into the debate about um, Thanksgiving versus Christmas. And I did, I shot him a note. I said, hey, man. I want you to know I was wrong about Thanksgiving compared to Christmas because even the holidays, you can kind of go one or the other, but like Christmas starts basically two weeks before Christmas, right? It's basically the 15th until the end of the year because no one cares about work. Football's on every day. I bet Nevada at 12 o'clock yesterday, (laughs) like that's the Christmas spirit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and, and I told him, I said, Hey, I admit that I was wrong. I want you to know that. And he said, thank you. He's like, totally get it for sure. And I, But I want everyone to know that I was wrong about that because Christmas is absolutely way better. Um, and Santa is real. So I'm, I'll go on record saying that. Big man for admitting that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you have to be able to watch the tape back as we do and, and just admit where you're wrong. So mm-hmm. next question is from Cubboy. And he's had his... He's had his moments within this podcast and he's had his moments with B Bauer and he ha- he kind of had a different turn to this, I guess the, the season of giving the times that we're in and he's curious and he just said, Hey, RTP, Cowboy back, B Bauer, you scared? No big deal. How does Hanukkah work? Hmm. You know, I was naturally um, a little confused because I was like, I don't know. Right. But Thought about it for a little bit, but would love your take on um, Cowboy's question. How does Hanukkah work in your own words? And, and and for everyone out there, I did not tell Mike about this question, so so please, you know, get you know, do, do your thing, and and we trust your answer here. Um, but how do, how does uh, Hanukkah work? Well, from my expert opinion, that is purely based off of uh, Adam Sandler's animated movie Eight Crazy Nights and the episode of Rugrats where they are exploring their grandfather's attic and they start telling him the story I think of Hanukkah is that I don't know how Hanukkah works. I believe. So there's this candle holder, right? And I'm pretty sure there's eight slots for eight different candles and you light one for every night of a certain time frame. And I think people get presents every single night. Also, please excuse me to any of our Jewish listeners. If I'm, I'm not going to say if I'm butchering it because I am 1000% butchering it. But essentially, I think the way Hanukkah works is you light eight candles, you get like eight presents, and that's it. And that's probably wrong. I'm going to get canceled, but that's what I think. You know, and I think that's fair. Like, I, you know, you and I, you know, did not practice this as, as childs or, or growing up. We didn't, we didn't know. Um, we were exposed to Hanukkah. We had Jewish friends, but, um, I think just from a historical perspective, the eight day Jewish celebration known as Hanukkah, you know, it really commemorates the 
eradication, uh, you know, during the second century BC. So that's of the Temple of Jerusalem, um, where according to legend, Jews had risen up against their Greek Syrian oppression or oppressors in the Maccabean <laughs> revel. And that, I, I read that off of Google. So I don't know about Hanukkah, but I do know that that's what Google says. And I think that's accurate because Uncle Google never lies. And they were oppressed and they commemorated the redication, red redication. Yeah, red redication during the second century. So um, that's what happened. And that's how Hanukkah happened. Um, I know they get an insane amount of gifts, which is contrary to. Uh, I'll stop there because I think what I might say after this about um, the Jewish religion may be problematic about, you know, being giving and kind and, and not cheap. So um, I think that this is where they have eight crazy nights, like you mentioned with Adam Sandler and they're um, very thoughtful people. And I have Jewish friends in my community and I, and I applaud you. So um, Hanukkah works as it does. Um, Cool. Any other words on that no i i think (laughs) i think you i think you nailed it i think we nailed it um i i referenced adam sandler and rugrats Mm -hmm. and you read off of google so i think we there was plenty of Mm -hmm. between the two of those plenty of information so yeah good 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 um okay well we will get to our last question and this was um you know, it, it's kind of when you're up 40 to seven and you just pile on, you're like, Hey, we're at the goal line. We should take a knee. We're just going to punch it in 47 to seven. This is B Bauer again. And he says, Hey, RTP, I'm not going anywhere. Right. He says, if you are close to a division title and your quarterback is caught without a mask in a strip club, <laughs> sorry, I'll repeat this. If you are close to a division title and your quarterback is caught without a mask in a strip club, what do you have to do to get forgiveness from a fan base? Um, Pretty specific question. I would imagine (laughs) Um, Dwayne Haskins might be the topic of this, but um, Micah, what are your thoughts here? Well, that that's actually a very, very interesting question. I'm very interested to hear your side of things because for me, I don't think you have to do anything to win them back. Cause this is the most relatable thing of all time. People hate Roger Goodell. People hate what he stands for. People might not hate the shield, but you know, everyone's excited that football's happened and that it's here and that we're doing this, you know, with the whole COVID situation, things going on. It's like football is even more of that escape from like the things that are going on. And then when those things that you're trying to escape from are like interfering with what's going on, you know, you're escaping all that stuff. You're just like, fuck, man, like just leave it alone. Get out of here already. And I think that them looking at especially Washington football team fans are looking at it and being like, yeah, man, I want to go to a strip club without a mask on. Like I can relate. That dude's just one of me. He's just. You know, going through some shit. They got all these protocols going on. I can relate. So I think that, if anything, Dwayne Haskins, on the fan side of things, Dwayne Haskins, all he did was improve his stock with this situation. So um, I don't think you have to do anything to make it up to your fan base. Uh, You can make it up by going out there and winning some football games if you get the chance to start, which I believe he is going to, possibly. I'm not positive, but... Uh, yeah, I, as far as getting, you know, getting in good graces with the fans, I think you just catapulted yourself up to the top of the fan favorite. No, I think that's um, it's pretty spot on. So, um, you know, as far as the fans are concerned, um, if I were looking at it, maybe just stop overthrowing guys for no reason. Um, maybe just That'd stop. Be better, yeah. Yeah, maybe just start making some better decisions when it's third and eight. But honestly, if you're going to tell me like, hey, how would we as an organization – Um, be able to send a message to our fans, send a memo and just say, um, Hey guys, Dwayne Haskins is, you know, apologizing about the situation, but it's just guys being dudes. That's where I'd leave it. Just guys being dudes. This is is a guy that started a game where he could turn his career over and he went to a strip club after a loss. So I would just say, Hey, it's guys being dudes. Hope you can relate. TTYL, you know? So, 
Yeah. Um, Maybe and, just hand out free trips to the buffet at whatever. Sure. Club you yeah. Went. Maybe incentivize just, them to go yeah. to the strip club and then use Mail those some certificates to all the season ticket holders. Right. And, and any donations can go to the, the proper cause. So no, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't stress. I would just say, Hey guys, me and dudes um, stop overthrowing Terry McLaurin. Um, who's on Andy's fantasy team that didn't make the finals, you know, anything like that would be appropriate. And I think um, they'll be able to get through as the Washington football team, because they may have other things they are considering um, more important with Dan Snyder for the last 10 years, being accused of sexual um, assault towards women of the organization might want to focus on that compared to Dwayne Haskins going to a strip club. Not that it's, not important, but maybe not as important. Love the question. Think it's fair. Um, the fan base should just focus on he's a guy being a dude. So yeah, exactly. Completely agreed. Good. Well, that's it, man. That, that that's it for our questions. Um, nothing else came in um, last minute. So please, you know, celebrate Hanukkah appropriately. Um, based off our recommendations, Santa Claus is real. Um, we do have a scapegoat. We do know that Michael Badgley. He was the the goat in the wrong way. And Dwayne Haskins is not the guy. So that's where we're at. We have the Dolphins coming up um, Saturday. You and I will be watching that together. Excited about that. Mm -hmm. Raider Nation, as always, love you guys. Stand up, sit down. Just know that I'm there for you. Excited to pump out some more content. We, We did say that we had a list or we had someone coming on this week we did push that back to more so towards the off season playoff time where we can get them in and have a, a longer extended conversation um, to provide some better content for y'all. So um, hope this provides what y'all need. Micah, take us home. Yeah. As we always say, we appreciate the love. If you're on Apple podcasts, share, subscribe, rate, review, give us those five stars, retweet it on Twitter, share it on Facebook. Keep getting the word out there. We're on to Miami, going into this game, day after Christmas. Got to get a W. Let's let's ride into these last two games, the Raiders season. Let's be who we know that we can be and who we really are. Let's get a couple Ws. And I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful holiday. Have a wonderful Hanukkah. And just win, baby. Just win. Love that. Merry Christmas, y'all. Love you guys. Micah, can't wait to see you. Peace out. Later.